aerial view with Chris Live End Times Talk Radio Friday 6 p.m. Eastern Time Call 760-422-5528 The Pound NYC.com You have a podcast? Cool. Oh yeah, I invented them. Do you care? Does it does it bother you at all what's happened in this country? It did once. Do you have any idea what's at stake now in this coming election? All you talk about how goddamn awful he was, but did you ever do anything about it? Ah, did you ever get off your ass and fight? Or were you just gonna sit there by the fucking radio complaining for the rest of eternity? Do you think it doesn't cost? Speak. When the fuck do you people ever act? Huh? When it's too late. When the damage is already done. All you people ever do is talk. A man is unfit. He should not be the president. You're listening to Aerial View worldwide on the internet. Finally, you will not take me off the 
you have for now or for any other speechless time. I'll pitch my voice wherever I please. I'm a famous radio personality now. Most people today couldn't care less about the radio personalities. I couldn't agree with you more. He's always talking about some radio star that I never heard of. You don't like my stories? I just hope this man realizes that being able to communicate with people all over the world carries a serious responsibility. Show the man your power, big. Blast him! Give him some of that tone! Showtime! Suspicious beginning? Sure, it's a talk show. You know, people phone in and make a beef. Oh, what about? Whatever happens to my view, that's what you talk about. Sometimes he agrees with the caller, other times he sets him straight. Where the fuck are we from Jersey? America is the strongest and most prosperous nation on earth. America is not going to be destroyed. I wish for your sake it were true, for your beliefs. Because America is a very great, simple, novel idea. You're too right it is. It's a wonderful idea. But Rome was destroyed. Greece was destroyed. Persia was destroyed. Spain was destroyed. All great empires are destroyed. Why not yours? We are going to survive and triumph for a long, long time. You put so much stuck in winning. You can't stop the bastard talking. Make sure the kids hear work. Turn the radio. Make sure the television. The, excuse me. Make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone. Make sure the kids hear words. Play the radio. Make sure the television. The, excuse me. Make sure you have the record player on. Okay, okay. Thanks. Remember, hold your nose and vote for Joe. Hold your nose and vote for Joe. I can't. I don't want to hear it, man. I don't want to hear your bullshit about how he's not your candidate and you wish it was somebody else and why did it have to be him and where, where, where? I'm a pragmatist, motherfucker. Hold your nose and vote for Joe. I don't care what you think of him. This is it. This is the big show. It's me, Chris T, here on the HoundNYC.com. Hound howls every Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern time. And then, uh, of course, you got Mark and Miriam with the doo-wop chop shop of the air crashing the party at 5 p.m. Eastern. This is a phone-in talk show. Number here is 760-422-5528. It's happening live. As we speak, and uh, we're going to have a couple special guests for this program. Tomorrow would have been, I believe, the 37th or 38th annual Mermaid Parade. For the first time in its history, it has been canceled. Uh, I should say moved to another date 
Perhaps we will find out. There's news about that coming up later in the show. What will become of the Mermaid Parade since it's not going to be happening on the third Saturday in June as it has every year since Christ left Chicago. So, you know, I, and it's weird for me because I've been involved with the parade since 1987. It's a long time. It's the longest I've done anything year after year. And it's always interesting to have those yearly events in your life, those things that you mark time with. Because right now I'd be thinking, oh, tomorrow's the Mermaid Parade. I'm gonna, I, Let me check all my lists, make sure I have everything I need be freaking out a little bit i probably would find it hard to sleep tonight from the excitement and then my routine for low these many past years is i would get up really early on parade day i'd be up at like 6 a.m right i would have showered and shaved the night before and i would get dressed and i would get down to the car which was usually in the garage packed up and ready to go. So all I had to do was hop in and start that sucker up and then point it towards Coney Island. And then if we left the house at 7 a.m., Sweet T and I, we could generally counting be there by like 7.30 a.m. No traffic whatsoever. I'm sure now with this pandemic, this, this, this plague. Fucking plague. I'm so tired of the plague. We would have been there in 15 minutes the way I drive. 760-422-5528 is the number here. Aerial view on the air. Special guests in just a bit. Mark Aladuff, Mermaid Parade Chief Justice, and the mover and shaker behind the recent Maskey's contest at Coney Island, USA. It's actually called the Put on a Funny Face Mask Contest. It was a huge success, and we'll talk to Mark about what it took to bring that together and how it happened, and all that shit. And then, of course, about the Mermaid Parade, and share some Mermaid Parade memories. And then, uh, right after that, we'll talk to Adam Realman, Coney Island impresario, about his work with Coney Island, USA, low these many years. There's that phrase again. Should stop saying that. And uh, he'll tell us about what's happening tomorrow night, the live streaming event, not the Mermaid Parade, where you can... Watch live entertainment right from Coney Island at ConeyIsland.com slash not. ConeyIsland.com slash not. Not the Mermaid Parade. And uh, during Not the Mermaid Parade, there will be a special announcement from the permanently unelected mayor of Coney Island, the beach, sometimes, as it's put, longtime friend Dick Ziggin, founder of Coney Island USA, who uh, has been he's been doing these weekly mayoral addresses at ConeyIsland.com. There's a whole bunch of them up there now. If you haven't gone there lately, go and check out some of his mayoral addresses. State of Coney Island addresses. Uh, and that's on their YouTube channel as well. Like a lot of nonprofits, arts organizations, Coney Island USA is facing uh, a really perilous time. Because obviously they count on people physically being there at the building on uh, Surf Avenue and 12th Street. 
and taking part in their many programs, and that can't happen during a pandemic, obviously. So uh, it's a good time to be extra generous with them and support them, and that's one of the things that's going to be happening during not the Mermaid Parade. Live streaming at 8 p.m. Eastern Time tomorrow, Saturday, June 20th, at ConeyIsland.com slash not. And um, I put up a message on my Facebook page today. It's my name. You can find me there, Chris Sackis, T-S-A. K-I-S, the T is silent. Let's not get started on the whole last name. I should have changed it years ago. This is why I've been known as Chris T since I was like 18, 19 years old. And in a punk rock band because there wasn't hardcore quite yet. And when we were doing the EP and they said, hey, what what do you want on the back cover of this EP? I was like, I don't want my name on there. I better just be Chris T. That's better. I know, I've been Chris T all these years. But uh, it's Chris Sackis. See, and that confuses the shit out of people because they're like, why is there an S sound? It's Greek. It's Greek to me. I put a message up there today, and this is what the message said. It said, Dear white people, please resist the urge to co-op Juneteenth and turn it into Black Cinco de Mayo. Sincerely, Chris T. And I mean it. And it's been shared 10 times already. So thanks to uh, Herbie and Liz and Susan and Mary and Dale and Mick and the four other people who shared it. I do appreciate that. Because I wasn't really sure how to express my feelings on the subject. Because I I fucking hate when the stuff gets co-opted and it becomes some cheap-ass holiday. Something important. Something that's not yours. I mean, come on. You have to have everything. I know cultural appropriation, that gets thrown around a lot. Sometimes it's apt, sometimes it's not. But I think if white people start celebrating Juneteenth and, like, making it into a drinky day, it's gonna, it's it's really gonna sadden me. It's gonna make me sad. There's enough, there's more than enough right now to make all of us sad. We're, We're all dealing with a boatload of sadness over the people we know who've died from COVID-19 and the businesses we know that have died over COVID-19 and the uh, futures that have died over COVID-19, the finances that have died over COVID-19. There's enough sadness. We don't need more. But this is a very strange time. If you're feeling ill at ease, if you're feeling odd, if you're feeling like, what the fuck? You're having the right feeling. I'm here to tell you. I'm I'm not, that's not my role in life. My role in life is not to validate your feelings. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just saying you shouldn't be questioning that feeling. That's all I'm saying. It's different. It's very different. And uh, And the feeling I'm having lately is like, These are the end times. Now, obviously, it's always somebody's end times. Somebody's going to end. We all can't live forever. I mean, who would want to, really? Anytime you see these stories where the vampires get to live forever, they're really unhappy. Do you want that? Don't you want to know there's going to be a pin in this somewhere at some point? I just want to get through this particular time, this dark passage, as I call it. 
I want to get on the other side of this thing. I want to get back to something where it's like, oh, there isn't a pandemic and there isn't an asshole in the White House. Can we get back to that? That asshole is having a rally tomorrow, by the way, in Tulsa. And uh, they're making people sign a waiver that if they get the coronavirus tough titty toenail. It's known as the tough titty toenail waiver. And Trump issued a... I said his name. I was trying not to say his name. Motherfucker. He issued what's called a, in the New York Times, a thinly veiled threat to, quote, protesters, anarchists, agitators, looters, or lowlifes, unquote, who plan on demonstrating at his rally in Tulsa. Now, you know they had to move the rally because they originally had it planned for today on Juneteenth in Tulsa where the most famous race massacre in American history took place in 1921. The destruction of Black Wall Street, the murder of 300 citizens, probably many more. We'll never know because an investigation never took place because the police were part of it. The more things change, the more they stay the same. I think next week's show, we're going to talk all about the police. Why not? I was going to do it this week, but then I realized it's the day before the Mermaid Parade, and that reminds me it's time to call Mark Aladef. Get him on the phone. Find out what's what. With the... uh, Jesus, I hate that sound. Fuck you, Skype. (laughs) Yes, this is Skype. May I help you? (laughs) Hello, Skype. Are you in Denmark? Sweden? Uh, Skype is now a Microsoft product, actually. Yeah, moved to Seattle. Do people know that? It's owned by the uh, Microsoft Corporation? I don't know. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. It's neither here nor there. You know who is here? Mark Aladef, who I've known from how long now, would you say? A couple of decades at least. A couple of de- 20 years, you know? And it's over the last few years that we've actually gotten to know each other a bit better. Usually we'd see each other on parade day and it'd be like, hey, how are you? And I'd be like, all right, how are you? And it was one of those weird relationships that only took place one day out of the year. <laughs> that, that's uh, not true, Chris. I listened to your show. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> That's it's a one-way I, conversation. I, I I didn't I didn't know that. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. That's nice of you. But over the I'm, the point I'm trying to make is that over the last few years, uh, we uh, we've gotten to know each other a bit more. Absolutely. Which, wouldn't you say? So we have Chris. Yes. So I I I know you well enough to know that you're probably disappointed there isn't going to be a mermaid parade tomorrow, even if there is a forty percent chance of thunderstorms. You know, first of all, rainy parades are the best parades because that's when you get the hardcore people to come. And it feels like the old days when you have these rainy parades. Maybe not, the, you know, there's the inconveniences of a rainy parade, but I have no problem with that. But yes, I am disappointed, but I am happy that we're being irresponsible and aren't going to endanger anybody, even though we're going to miss one of our favorite days of the year at its normal time. Yeah. Well, what can you do? There's a pandemic loose in the world. And it would be highly irresponsible, as you point out, to gather 800,000 people like last year's parade. Yeah, this historical precedent of parades back in 1918 of doing some real damage. And we don't want that to happen. 
what was that parade called? Was that the everyone get the Spanish flu and go home and die parade? <laughs> what did they call that one? I think it was the Mummer Cadaver Parade. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. It's, how did, and people, while they were watching it, they didn't know it was the last parade they were ever going to see. <laughs> Just saying. Oh, I hope it was really good. Yeah, I hope it was a damn good one, man. Uh, by the way, uh, I keep hearing reports of fireworks every night. Like Brooklyn is talking about this. Queens, people are on social media complaining about it, saying, what's with all the goddamn fireworks, illegal fireworks every night? People are saying, I can't sleep. You hearing any of this shit? Not really. No. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's good. Not being kept awake. Uh, let's get to the Mermaid Parade, because tomorrow, uh, not the Mermaid Parade is happening. We're going to talk to Adam Realman in a moment, but let's talk about the thing that just wrapped up, which was namely the put on a funny face mask contest that you uh, and your missus brainstormed. How, how did the contest come about? Congratulations, by the way. It got into a lot of, what do you call, media outlets. Mainstream media. Fake news. <laughs> and uh, so a lot of media report on it, up to and including the New York Post. So congrats on that. But what was the genesis, if you will? So I was, um, like everybody else, you know, homebound. But I observed something happening in my home that wasn't happening in every home, which is my wife, who is a fiber artist, she's a weaver, started making masks. At that point, it was a little iffy whether you were supposed to wear a mask, but we, we thought it was a no-brainer. We also knew we shouldn't grab every 95 we could find because that would just hurt people who are, are directly exposed and the first responders. So she started making masks. And she ended up making about, I don't know, two or 300 masks. She gave them all away. She outfitted everybody from an animal hospital to an NYPD unit. And along the way, she fell in with this community, the online communities around the country of mask makers. And they were all swapping notes. It was this amazing like moment. And just to see it happening, to be a firsthand witness, it was I was blown away and I said, you know, this is something that has to be recognized, honored. The mission statement of Coney Island USA is to defend the honor of American popular culture. So here I was on the front lines watching a new form of culture happen. And I said, Coney Island USA needs to get in there and be part of this. That was a, a light bulb moment, dare I say. You know, one of those moments the old light bulb goes off over your head and you think, I got to do something Lots about it. I can't. We're now married. Uh, we, I can't let this moment slip. Um, but you have secret skills and you were able to put together a, a really compelling front end for this thing. And I think that was part of the success of it, where people could go to ConeyIsland.com. And ConeyIsland.com has one of the best looking websites i think around it's just a great place to spend some time online and it's a really friendly user interface on that website there's a lot of colorful stuff like coney island itself it's a lot it's amusing and so kudos to everybody who put the site together but it was easy to enter to put on a funny face mask contest and it was visual you got to see everybody's masks and uh how many entries did you get entrants from around the world is 263. That's pretty wild for the first yes. time out. You know, first time out of the gate. That's really good. And so uh, the, the process was enter the contest, 
and we'd like to see your art. We'd like to see your mask. But it also was a way, sort of a side door way to solicit some donations during what I referred to earlier as a perilous time for Coney Island, USA. So did it work as on that level as well as a fundraiser? It worked really well. Um, um, look, we're not out of the woods, but it's inspiring when people who are contributing art also contribute money. I mean, these were the people helping us sort of, in a sense, develop content. That's not how we saw it, but they were. And they, such a high percentage of the participants offered up donations as well. Real donations. It was really, really, it, it got me right in, in the heart. I got verklempt, as we say. Um, it was a magic moment for me to see that happen. And at the same time, a community developed. And that community, you know, largely on Facebook, but beyond that as well, that community, they started sharing just the way that those mass-making communities my, fam- my wife was involved with. They all started sharing notes and swapping and showing their designs. And they came up with the idea of a mask auction, which is actually actually going to happen now. Well, wait a minute. That You're jumping ahead because I wanted to mention that <laughs> um, it was all, all also great the way, I mean, in addition to the idea that we got to see all this incredible textile and fiber visual art from around the world, entrance uh, from all over, we also got to celebrate them with a with a streaming award cer- ceremony called the Maskies, which I proudly took part in as well. But you had some heavy hitters in there, including past kings and queens, king uh, Neptunes and queen mermaids, including Laurie Anderson took part, and Marissa Tomai and Annabella Sciorra. And some of these people that I've stood alongside of on the podium, on the reviewing stand, and thought to myself on the ballet stage, if I'm being really correct, and thought to myself, oh my God, that's you know that's Marissa Tomai, and that's Annabella Sciorra, and that's Harvey Keitel, and that's Lou Reed and Laurie Anderson, and some of these folks. So what was that process like, gathering up those people and getting them involved in the maskies? It was easy. <laughs> they wanted to be involved. They wanted to I, help somehow. They're frustrated. I, at, at one point, I am sure, Chris, I could have given them a broom and they would have swept up at Coney Island, USA. They just wanted to help. It was it was just great. You know, um, I, I get a little tongue-tied around celebrities, uh, maybe a little too much. I get a little, like, you know, fanboyed, but just great. Karen Duffy, I swear she would do anything for us. <laughs> Duff. Uh, who else was Who did I miss? I mentioned Lori Anderson and Marissa Tomai and... Annabella Sciorra. Who, who did I leave out? Ron Kuby. Ron Kuby. Legal Eagle Ron Kuby. Um, uh, Mr. Wild in the Streets himself. Yeah, wow. And, um, <laughs> you know, the, the, over the years, who would have been this year's king and queen, by the way? I mean, that's... Who, is, who are who this, are year's, this king year's king and queen? Um, it's Lynn Nottage, who has twice won the Pulitzer Prize for playwriting. And wow. Just an incredible talent. And Jeremy O'Harris, who is really famous for slave play. We're really excited to have them. And I just was about to tell something about the Mermaid Parade I'm not supposed to say. And I stopped. Please do not. Uh, <laughs> you don't want to usurp permanently unelected mayor Dick D. Ziggin, who's going to make an announcement at some point during Not the Mermaid Parade tomorrow night. At ConeyIsland.com slash not 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And in just a bit, I'm going to pivot from Mark Aladef to Adam Realman to go into that topic a bit. 
Um, but I wanted to ask you, uh, also, when the awards were given out, uh, people actually, I mean, they were so happy to win, weren't they? I mean, the, the response to see how touched these people were, what did that do to you? Did you curl up into a fetal position and start crying like a baby at some point? Yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. When Melissa Lawson, who won first place best in show, when she accepted her award and started crying, I was very happy I had sunglasses on. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I uh, I shared in her emotion. It was, I shared her emotions. It was oddly emotional, and and I know that sometimes, like we all, we're getting tired of doing these things online. Uh, mostly, what fatigues me is the crappy audio. You know, like it's not even the visual so much, but it's the compressed, horrible audio that starts to get to me after a while. You know, Bill Maher has been doing his show like it's a goddamn Zoom meeting. And every week I turn to the wife and I say to Sweet Tea and I say, I can't take the audio. I can't stand it. It's so fucking horrible. Why can't they mail these people a recorder and let them record themselves and then get the fucking file? I don't understand it. I mean, it's not happening live, but this was happening live, obviously. And Coney Island, it really is like an American original uh, nexus for for entertainment. And as an entertainment nexus, maybe one of the first live entertainment venues ever in the United States where people purposely went there to be entertained. So, you know, it's very important to do things live. And, and so tomorrow night, uh, we'll t- we're going to talk to Adam Realman in just a minute about uh, Not the Mermaid Parade. But what's next for you, Mark Aladeff? What are you working on now? And can you reveal any of what you're working on now as as a board member of Coney Island USA? You sworn to secrecy. Well, it's all cylinders firing on the Mermaid Parade. We have an incredible plan. The reveal will not be disappointing tomorrow. And I can say that this is a parade that will be of its time. And we're really, really proud of where we're going with this thing. It's going to be fun. It's going to be meaningful. And for a lot of people, the Mermaid Parade is a life-changing event. And we hope that happens again this year. You know, Phosphorescent, you know, that band Phosphorescent, a few years ago they did a song called uh, Mermaid Parade. And it's, and it's all about this guy who sort of breaks up with his girlfriend who's in L.A. And he ends up down in Brooklyn at the Mermaid Parade. And it's a life-changing event. So kudos to Phosphorescent. If you never found that song or listened to it, track it down. It's it's a good song. I usually play it as either pre-show or post-show music on per- parade day. You know, because the last few years I've been bringing music and playing it to prime the pump, as we like to say, and get people in the mood to see a parade. And then the last couple of years, Mark and I have really been the two-man team on Mike, and you're always out in the street amongst the crowd, you know, getting the rubber bullet shot at you, and I'm <laughs> I'm up behind the plexiglass, <laughs> trying, <laughs> trying to keep a lid on everything, you know, and telling people to move this way and move that way, and the don't fo- stop the parade. Tell the people about the audio immersion. <laughs> Tell them about it. Well, Chris. last year I recorded the entire Mermaid Parade in stereo from my vantage point on the ballet stage behind the Mermaid podium, and I turned it into like a two and a half, almost three hour long podcast. And it's available right now at ConeyIsland.com on the main page there. 
and you can click on it and listen to the whole thing. Full immersion mermaid parade with all of the announcements and all of the sound you would have heard passing by the mermaid parade podium in stereo. There's a number of other ways to get it, by the way. It's also available on Apple Podcasts and Google Play and Spotify and Stitcher. If you search for Mermaid Parade Full Immersion, you'll find it. Mermaid Parade Full Immersion. And there's really no other one that could claim to have that vantage point. So if you're jonesing, if you're missing the Mermaid Parade, I can't bring you two and a half, three hours of visuals, but I can bring you two and a half, three hours of stereo audio. And uh, put on some headphones, fill up your bong, and then listen <laughs> to the Mermaid Parade. Just don't, whatever you do, drop the bong, okay? And uh, Mark Aldeff, thank you for being my guest. I do appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. Uh, what have you given to your wife as a uh, thank you for really being the genesis of this idea? A new sewing machine. <laughs> what are you, I really some, did. What are you, some sexist pig? Somebody some throwback misogynist. Artist, Chris. What the fuck? What kind of fucking let's make a deal prize is that? Here, honey. I got you a sewing machine. Damn. Thank you, Carol Merrill. She really Carol Merrill was always my favorite. Is that the one that uh uh that Bob was doing? I mean, didn't it come out years later that he was doing one of them? I, I did not. Know I that. yeah, look it up. I think I'm right uh, about that. Who what what was the guy's name? Bob. Uh, what was Bob his name? Barker? Bob Barker. I get Ironic him. name for an animal rights uh, enthusiast. Yeah. Well, he was a Barker of sorts, so it's a, actually a good name for him. But uh, all right, we're gonna pivot right now to Adam Realman, Mark Aldeff. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, and I will see you uh, whenever the hell the actual mermaid parade is happening. Okay. I. I'm not going to reveal it because I don't even know. So you're going to have to tune in tomorrow to Not the Mermaid Parade at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, streaming at ConeyIsland.com slash not to find out more. Right now, we're going to call Adam Realman at home in Brooklyn. Hello. Adam. Adam Realman. Yep. Welcome to the program. Good to have you. All right. How are you? Uh, you know, I w- I'm good. I just had a nice conversation with Mark Aladeff about the Maskies and the origin of the Maskies, and he told us how it came about and how it happened, and it, it was a really good thing for Coney Island. So uh, we're very happy about how that all worked out. But, oh, yeah. I mean, it got great press, and, and you know, I really, it, as far as the community aspect of it went, it it was just perfect. We couldn't have asked for better. You know, it's interesting because um, the community aspect of ConeyIsland.com is, I think, really it's its strength. And it's always been the community that's come to ConeyIsland.com and, and kept it afloat and contributed. Um, and I, I feel like it's as much as it's hurting the board members and the staff and the people who work at Coney Island, um, Sideshows by the Seashore and, and work down at the museum and at the Freak Bar – the community is missing it more than anything, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Coney Island in general is really, you know, people forget that there are residents on the west end of Coney Island. You know, I mean, it's 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 a big amusement district. It caters to tourists. It caters to locals. But 
people forget that it's more than just amusements. And the... Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. I, no, I, you're right. I mean, um, there, there are uh, residents all, all over Coney Island, and it's a good thing that folks like uh, Dick Ziggins showed up in 1981 or 82 because there would be... There, a lot of it would be gone to residential towers uh, south of Surf Avenue and cooler heads prevailed. And so it remains the unique amusement district that it's uh, been since the 1800s. But the community that surrounds the place, uh, they've always come out. They've come out for the Mermaid Parade. They came out for the Black Lives Matter march. Uh, I believe it was last Friday. Um, do you want to send any message to the community at all? Or how do you send messages right now to the community without the place being open? Well, you know, it's a lot of it's social media and it's right doing what we're going to be doing tomorrow night now tomorrow night uh to tomorrow um june 20th is the day that the mermaid parade was scheduled for and obviously in the you know days of covid we're not allowed to have a parade and i mean and and rightly so i mean you know safety first so when it came out to figure out, well, how do we announce our plans to the public, you know, meetings and, 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 and discussions about it, okay, we'll, we'll do like an online announcement, and we'll do a build-up to that. And I said, well, I had been toying around with the idea of doing an online show, so why don't we do the online show, and it culminates with the big announcement of what are the mermaid plans for 2020 and so we have some of the performers from coney island usa from sideshows by the seashore who are doing some acts i'm emceeing it uh we've got some video announcements you're doing our introduction uh we got miss coney island who's doing a video and then after all is said and done Dick comes on live and tells everybody how they can participate in the 2020 parade. I'm really looking forward to this because I think that in terms of uh, boundary pushing, you got to look to Coney Island as one of the original American boundary pushers. And as Mark Aldef pointed out, defending the honor of American popular culture. Uh, and so tomorrow at 8 p.m. Eastern time, you can go to ConeyIsland.com slash not for some amazing special performances brought to you. I, I mean, I've been calling you Coney Island impresario, and I looked up impresario finally. Do you know what it means, impresario? It mean isn't it like a like a, like a, almost a master of ballyhoo or a right? Is that is that the the definition? What what does Webster say? Uh, I'm you know I'm looking at the free dictionary definition uh one who sponsors or produces entertainment especially the director of an opera company so, well <laughs> so that's i mean but you know it's also the second definition is a manager a producer so i i think it's fair to call you an impresario i, uh, I would think that fits it, it, it's a very regal title but yeah I, I think it fits i always like the way it rolls off the tongue say it with me impresario Impresario. See? Impresario. By the way, I've been spelling it with two S's. It's it's one S. What the hell do I know? 
Well, it's you know, the second S. S is to impress, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's impresario. It sounds to me like an Italian word. So there you go. Uh, but you've been involved. How long has it been that you, since you showed up at Coney Island? I, I remember going down there as a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, and, and, you know, being young enough to still catch Lily Santangelo's World in Wax Museum. Uh, do you remember the first year you were down at Coney Island? Okay, well, I grew up in the neighborhood. So, you know, for me, it was going down with family, going down. I, I, I had a, a great uncle at the time who lived in Brighton Beach. And when we were off from school, my parents were working, he would take us into Coney Island. And, um, I, I mean, it was just the greatest experiences and, and, and the fondest memories. So I, I was I was a very young kid. I mean, my earliest memories are probably five, six years old. So we're talking early, mid-70s uh, at that point. And, um, you know, I remember when we would walk there from, whether it was if, if we were going from Brighton Beach, there were always these shortcuts underneath the trains. Now they're all gated up. Right. But we would take, you know, whatever shortcuts underneath the, the, the elevated trains by the aquarium over there through parking lots, and we'd end up in Coney Island. It was just the greatest place in the world. So fast forward, uh, you know, to uh, early 2000s, maybe it was 2000, 2001. Wait, 2000, before you fast forward, well, hang on a second, because, I mean, my first visit would have been in the mid-'70s. We may have been there on the same day. It's now blowing Ooh. my mind to think that me and my brother and my grandmother and my aunt would have been there on the same day that you were wandering around with your great uncle. That, that would have been something. <laughs> it's very possible. It's very possible. And, you know, a funny story is that uh, we had family friends. So, you know, we, I, as I said, I, had grow, I grew up in the neighborhood. My parents are still in the neighborhood. And my parents had friends from Delaware, and when we would go to Coney Island, we would always walk over. I mean, it was, you know, a, a seven-minute walk. You cross a few streets, you're on a boardwalk, and then you go all the way down. And they had friends coming in from Delaware. It was, from what I remember, slightly off-season. And we wound up taking the train out to Coney Island. We took the train two stops. We got on at Neptune Van Sicklin. And got off at Stillwell. And, and I don't even think it's called Neptune Van Sicklin anymore. And um, I had never, at the, uh, until that point, seen Coney Island coming in from the train. And I don't think I've seen it since coming in from the train. Uh, you know, now I'm, I, I drive, <laughs> which has its own problems. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's an experience, yeah. So, and to think, like you said, we could have potentially been there the at same the same day. time. So you were talking about like the early two thousands, and and so what was that your sort of reintroduction after your? So uh... I had been going to the Mermaid Parade uh, through the you know the, from I would guesstimate that I was at the second one. I doubt that I was at the first one, but I'm pretty darn sure that I was at the second one. 
And, you know, again, this is before Internet where you can Google when is the mermaid parade and, you know, you get a million hits on it. So it was almost like trial and error. <laughs> Let's just walk out there and see if it's there. Eventually, I think the press machine got a little bit better and, you know, you'd read about it in the Daily News. Oh, the mermaid parades this weekend. But those first few parades had more marches than people watching. I mean, it yeah. was it was a, a, a you know a quiet, weird, fringe thing, and it was amazing. So I had been going out to the parade, uh, you know, through the '80s into the early '90s. By the mid '90s, I had gotten married, moved to the city, and missed it for just a couple of years. You know, probably kind of the the late the midish to lateish nineties. Yeah, maybe maybe two or three years. I, I had missed the parade, and uh, you know, at that point, come the early two thousands, um, I had taken sideshow school with Todd Robbins, and learned how to do all these things. And I had started volunteering for uh, you know during parade day. So I would help out, um, you know inside the sideshow, doing whatever it is that they needed me to do, uh, running, gay, oh, go get this person, go get that person, bring this over here, bring this over there. And I did that for a couple of years and um, was there as a guest for the first Mermaid Ball. Now, you've been to a couple of the Mermaid Balls. Yeah. And you know how wild these parties are. It's a good time. And the, the the first one was at Peggy O'Neill's, the bar that was in the stadium, um, you know, in, in Cyclone Stadium. And again, this was, you know, probably more people on stage than were actually watching the show. And I, I went in there with uh, with my wife and with Marie Roberts, the uh, uh, the banner painter, the artist in residence at Coney Island. And we, we just love Marie at each Roberts, other. by the way. She, oh, painted, is a great. she painted a banner. My my wife uh, commissioned a banner for my twentieth year as MC of the Mermaid Parade, and she painted it. So it hangs oh, proudly. She, she's the best in our house, and uh, I still have a fountain pen that I picked up from last year's parade that she had set down on the table. She walked away from it. I didn't know whose it was, and I still have it, Marie. It's safe in my possession. I just got to <laughs> figure out where the hell I put it. So well, she, she's not getting it back on uh, on this parade. <laughs> no, no, no. So yeah, Peggy O'Neill's. I remember that was the year my Lomo camera got swiped. Like I set it down for two seconds in Cyclone Stadium and turned my back on it. And when I turned around, it was gone. And I was I was so pissed off. I didn't go to the Marine Ball. And usually by the time the parade is over, I can't stand. I mean, it's literally I'm dead on my feet. And the thought yeah. of like you know going to an event. The last few years I've gone, and they've always been. I mean, I'm. I missed. I hate. I hate to confess this. I missed this, the year that the A Bones played at the Aquarium, and I hear that that was an amazing Mermaid Ball. Uh, I, I got to tell that Mermaid Ball. That was. It's got to be about seven or eight years ago. We had the A Bones. We had Libretta Suede in the Motel Six. The Moto Rays, and Moby the DJ was the headliner. I, this is the this is the year that we had the burlesque show in the Aqua Theater. So we had a sea lion show first, then a full on burlesque show with synchronized swimmers. This was the most insane night that I have ever worked on or attended. I, this was. Oh, I am kicking myself. I am kicking myself that I, I didn't go. Oh, Jesus. 
<laughs> I mean, if, if there was any mermaid ball to have been to, it was that one. Yeah. I, I'm not to make you feel bad because no. they're all spectacular, but that one was just, I mean, you know, a little secret. They, they didn't let us back into the aquarium. Oh, no, yeah. They were afterwards. like, you're not welcome. I mean, uh, the, the, there's been a, a spring gala since, so that's good. And there was going to be a that spring gala. That was the first gala. time we were allowed back. Oh, yeah. It was, <laughs> that was spring, it was, there was going to be a spring gala this year, but that couldn't happen because, you know, pandemic. But, yep. So like, so then you got reinvolved with the place, and now you're presenting not the Mermaid Parade tomorrow. But how how did uh, the whole sideshow Todd, Todd Robbins, who by the way, I mean, I I go back far enough to remember Melvin Burkhart and those guys that were hammering nails up their nose and eating light bulbs. And Todd Robbins, I've I actually interviewed him on my my SiriusXM show. He had he had like an off Broadway show for a while that was quite successful and. Um, but how did it get its hooks into you? Like, why? How did? Because some people take sideshow school, and they don't end up in the sideshow. So why did you? Well, what happened was so I, I had seen it on. So now you know. Now we're in the age of computers here. It's it's you know the early two thousands, and I'm flipping through on ConeyIsland.com, and I see sideshow school. You can learn the ancient secrets of the sideshow: fire eating and sword swallowing. Saying what the heck? I mean, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll I'll check this out, and I took the class, and Todd taught everything there was to learn about the working acts of the sideshow, and now it, it it just sank its teeth into me. I said, boy, I paid for the class, <laughs> I got to earn some of this money back, and and I started, you know, I, the first show that I actually did was. I may, maybe it was about eight months after I took the class. Marie, Marie Roberts, uh, was doing a gallery show out in Red Hook. And she was displaying some of her work and some of the banner painting students' banners. She uh, teaches a banner painting class. And um, she had invited me to present some of the things that I learned at Sideshow School at this gallery opening. And I did that, and it was very well received. I mean, people would go, oh, my God, that was incredible. How would you do it? How long have you been doing it? How long have I been my first show ever? I've never been, you know, I mean, I've been practicing this for, for eight months, and this is the first show. Wow, incredible. Little Brooklyn, who was running Starshine Burlesque at the time, had a banner in the show. And she calls me up a week later and says, hey, listen, I, I, I got a burlesque show down here downtown. Um, would you want to come out and do an act? Sure. So I went out to the show, checked it out. A couple of weeks later, did an act. And she would have me back every couple of days. Would you do an act? You know, this week. And eventually I start emceeing. Now, during that time, um, like I said, I was volunteering out at Coney Island during the parade. So they knew who I was. They remembered me from sideshow school. And eventually I just started volunteering my time for their galas. Hey, listen, if you need a, a performer, I'd be more than happy to donate my time. And, you know, you donate enough. Eventually uh, you, know, you start working there. That's how you do it, folks. If you want to get involved with a nonprofit arts organization, you work your way up. And that's, uh, that's how it's done. I mean, that's, that's what I did uh, with WFMU and with Guttenberg Arts and with Coney Island USA. I, I can recall uh, back in the late 80s when we were doing live music nights, 
on the boardwalk in the building that now houses a you know a Nathan's Annex, mm-hmm. uh, doing uh, two turntables and a microphone up there in the loft where it was like ninety eight degrees all the time, uh, and uh, sitting up there with a with a crappy twenty dollar fan, uh, trying to stay cool while you know we were presenting two or three bands on the stage. And uh, it's it's been a it's been a really fascinating thing to watch the growth of Coney Island USA over the years. It's really made me feel uh, good about um, the desire to keep this form of of art alive among people. I mean, I think even now during a pandemic, people realize how important it is, Coney Island. And so while there won't be a mermaid parade tomorrow, there will be not the mermaid parade. And we ask you all to take part by uh, live streaming it at ConeyIsland.com slash not. And uh, 8 p.m. Eastern Time is when it begins. And if you're able to dig in and support Coney Island as well, kick in a few bucks to help support the parade, because ordinarily uh, tomorrow would be a big fundraising day for Coney Island USA. They'd sell a lot of T-shirts. There would be money coming in from parade entrance. That's not going to happen, obviously, and we ask that you uh, try to replace that while you're streaming and enjoying the entertainment on tap. And because it's Coney Island, we're not going to be shy about asking you. That's just the way No, we, we, we are going to ask and ask again, and yeah. then we'll ask some more. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, the, the, the Mermaid Parade Day is it really is the biggest day in Coney Island. I mean, you know, you've got the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Show. That's big. That's an hour. The parade goes from morning until the ball is over at night, and the entire neighborhood benefits from that. The amusements, the restaurants, the rides, the games, everyone is busy that Yeah, day. and it's also the day before the Pride Parade, so there's a lot of folks in town for that who show yeah. up and who take part, and the Pride Parade's not going to happen this year. It's the day before Father's Day, so mm-hmm. congrats on being a dad and raising, you know, decent children because, you know, I asked my friend uh, Matt last week from Guttenberg Arts, like, how do you make sure your kid's not an asshole? And there is <laughs> definitely a book in that su- in that subject. But uh, I think one of the ways to make sure your kid's not an asshole is make sure they don't turn into a Karen. Now, you, you know, Adam, this thing that's <laughs> been going around about Karens. And last week on the show, I inaugurated Karen of the Week. Do you want to take part in the second Karen of the Week? Would that be okay? Yeah, sure. So, uh, Karen of the Week, is it's All easy. All lives matter, and not just black lives. She's a doll, she's a queen, she's a tantalizing team. Right. so what do I need to do? You're going to need, need to judge the Karen. Okay, let's hear it. You need to go home. We do not want you here. Get the fuck out of this world. She sets her hair with I hear something, but it's coming in a little light. Even I'm, I'm not, not sure that I person. can hear what's going on. Here's But I'm standing here, waiting for the manager, and I don't care. Hi, my name is Karen. I like anything from You know, it may be that you're not going to be able to hear the Karens, in which case... Writing. If you'd like to have fun, it's a faulty premise, and I apologize. In which case, I trust you to make that decision. All right, so here, let's play some. Let's let's here. Let's uh, start with Karen number one, if you don't mind. And 
All right. Maybe you'll be able to hear it if I turn it up loud enough. Who the hell knows? But this is Alameda, Karen. I got you on recording now. You told me to go back to Oakland, right? Let me tell your dusty, dirty, dingy mannequin built ass something. You don't tell me where the fuck to go. When you leave your house, you old, stinky ass lady, you are in the world. So you don't tell me to go back to Oakland. You take your wrinkled pussy ass to Oakland. Get your funky mass ass to Oakland. You got a whole COVID-19 fit on with your dusty ass. You the one, you the reason why this shit is here. You got hell, you got hell a senior citizen spit on your motherfucking sweater telling somebody to go to Oakland. Huh? Talking for a minute. Huh? Can you control your mouth for a minute? You need to control your ass because it stinks. You need to go get in a wheelchair. Get your old funky ass about I'm here telling somebody to go I'm back to Oakland. You're an Alan. Okay, well, I got like you 80 something years old. And your age don't matter. It seems like you're racist. Eight, because eight. you see me riding by and you tell a black person to go back to Oakland. So it's black people in Oakland, right? I ain't no black ain't no black I'm people in Alameda? There's more white people who live in Oakland. All right, okay, well get your people. dusty, wrinkled bag, trash, face having ass up out of here then. Don't tell no black person to go back to Oakland. You can't tell me where to go, all right? My I'm tenant. fucking grown. Alright, so that's Alameda Care. Did you hear any of that? Uh, I heard the guy yelling at her. <laughs> okay, all right. So let's uh, let's try uh, Karen number two. This is Dunkin' Donuts Karen. That was Al- Let me ask you, was Alameda Karen uh, the one that was in like a grocery store? No, no, no. I, no, this was a different Karen. It's okay. Alameda Karen. Uh, but this is Dunkin' Donuts Karen. Let's try this one. All right. All right, so that's Dunkin' Donuts, Karen. I don't know if you heard a goddamn thing. Uh, I, I mean, I, I heard a lot of yelling. So, okay, Dunkin', yeah. so, so far, Dunkin' Donuts, Karen, was louder than Alameda, Karen. All right, let's try the last Karen for the week because it's three Karens, and this is Hammering Karen. And I got you on, on video. You're destroying my car. Thank you. Fuck out of this neighborhood, you fucking shit. Yep. Cool, lady. Call the police. I'm calling. Don't worry. Because my Go neighbor has two fucking car. hammers in her goddamn hand, and she's assaulting the car. She's destroying property. Let her. Let them know that. And I have her on video. All right. That's Karen number three. That's hammering Karen. Uh, what do you think? I know it was right. a it's a, a bit of a tough, heavy lift for you, but you are a strong man. So well, that so, well, basically, I right, so all three of them were coming in low, but the fact that I was able to hear Dunkin' Donuts Karen, the loudest, and and, and she she sounded like she was spitting venom there. I gotta go with Dunkin' Donuts Karen. Oh, that's a I, listen. I like uh, I like the way you think. I'm I'm gonna say uh, that's probably the one I would have picked as well. Although Alameda Karen pretty damn good as well so uh thank you for playing in the second installment of karen of the week adam real man and remember once again tomorrow night not the mermaid parade taking place 8 p.m eastern time at coneyisland.com slash not uh we're out of road man thank you so much for being here i do hey, appreciate thank it you, chris and uh, yeah. we'll see you uh, you're, you're actually the first voice the voice of the mermaid parade that we're going to hear 
tomorrow night. So well, everybody tune in. Very cool. Take care, man. Good to talk. Bye, to you. Chris. Thanks. There he goes, Adam Real Man. Why does it have to make that noise? That's what I want to know. Why? That'll do it for me, Christy. Stay here for uh, more vintage hound howls here on the hound. NYC.com and uh, that'll be in just a few and then don't forget Sunday we got Hound Howls here on the HoundNYC.com and followed of course by none other than uh, Mark and Miriam with Crashing the Party extrapolated this out and I won't have to for a few years as I got food and stuff but I'm literally looking at my neighbors now and going I'm ready to hang them up and gut them and skin them and chop them up you know what I'm ready my daughters aren't starving to death I'll eat my neighbors see my superpower is being honest I'll eat your ass